0: you <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Android Police podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. It is Friday, October 21st, 2022. Uh, it's the end of a very long week. I'm so happy that I get to sit back, relax, and deal with two young children for the next two days after this.
1: I thought you were um, talking about me for a second. And then I was speaking like, I of two that young children.
0: Yeah, child. I
2: was going <laughs> to say,
0: wow. I, uh, I, am. <laughs> I have uh, Will Saddleberg and Ara Wagner. How are you guys doing?
1: I'm. In need of rest, not quite as much as you. But yeah, definitely just, I've, I just keep feeling tired. I felt tired all week and I'm like, I, this week wasn't nearly as bad as the last two weeks, so I don't know why.
0: I think our culture just doesn't know how to properly rest.
1: Yeah. Well, I need to get that under control because next month there is not going to be as much time to rest.
0: (laughs) I just think like the, the version of relaxing for people of our generation is like, Sitting on a couch, staring at a phone while watching a TV show, which is probably not very good for our brains. No.
1: Yeah, I need to get off the couch and get to the parks more this weekend, especially since the weather is so beautiful. If I could, if I could skip the rest of the day and go to a, go walk around a theme park, I would. I need the exercise and I need the vitamin D.
2: I took a, a four day weekend uh, post Pixel Seven Pro review to try to rest and relax, and then in, it is what is becoming a tradition. Immediately got sick. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. A- yeah, anytime yeah. I take a break that is not trip oriented from writing on androidpolice.com, my body immediately just goes, "Cool, you have a cold now." So, uh it's not covid, I guess that's good, but I am sorry if my n- voice is a little uh nasally or messed up uh this week.
0: Well, it's also like the second your body gets a chance to just like
2: I think yeah. that's what happens. Your I think, immune like, system's like,
0: uh-uh. Y- yeah, no, no, exactly. No, no, no. You're just in
1: such a constantly high-stress environment. Your body is like, okay, I am not allowed to shut down. And the second exactly. it is allowed, it's like, okay. all The stress level has dipped below panic. Yep. So everything can crash because the body will force you to... Getting sick is the body's way of telling you you've been doing too much for too long. Stop it.
2: I honestly believe like this has been a theory of mine this week of like, oh, like, I guess I should never actually stop because if I stop, I'm just going to get
1: sick. No, because then you get sick (laughs) while you're trying to work. And that's even worse.
2: But yeah, Yeah, I took a three
1: day weekend after the pixel launch and primarily access and ended up working half a Friday because I'm an idiot. But yeah, I didn't really feel like a rest for me because there was just still so much to do and I couldn't tear myself away.
2: Yeah. I think mean, that's the my problem house, with this though. time of year.
0: Yeah. Is that even though we're we're past all the big product announcements,
1: that don't there's matter. still so
0: many lingering things. Like Apple just announced like five different things. Yeah. Five dongles for those five different things.
2: <laughs> we'll talk about that. We can talk about that. Uh
0: it's it's been a it's been a, a great week for dongles. So going to get into that a little bit. We're going to talk first though about YouTube. This is a sad day for YouTube premium subscribers, especially, especially those for you. who have family plans. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was not a funny Yesterday we mail. found
0: that Google had increased the price of its YouTube premium family plan by thirty percent in the US and Canada, going from seventeen ninety nine to twenty two ninety nine. And in many other countries, we are seeing much larger percentage increases, as well as increases for single plans in certain countries like brazil and argentina and turkey google did not warn us they did not make this something like oh we're going to give you three months uh, you know if you have an existing account it's like nope starting in november we're increasing your fees by 30 percent there were a lot of really angry redditors yesterday <laughs> who they were did just give,
1: like they did give a buffer to some people and that was those of us who signed up in that first month of google yeah. play music
2: yeah, which right, right. sounds like a good thing. It's not. What they're doing no, is, ra- is is raising, they're also raising grandfathered plans. Like if you had a deal where you were getting it for 15 and not 18 a month, like that's gone in April, which also yeah. like makes me very worried about my $8 a month individual plan, which I've had for over a decade now, I guess. Uh, Although and-
1: to be fair, to play devil's advocate here, we've got that preferential pricing for nine years now. It's 2022- youtube music came out or google play music came out in 2013 correct
0: 2013 yes. yeah so best day of my life
1: god rest in peace google play music and this was the time of the year i missed it most because they had that chromecast uh fireplace visualizer so you could put a log on your tv and then just stream whatever music you wanted with it
2: they That's also had great. a really good fall playlist like uh-huh. there was some like sweater weather playlist that like has never been beat for me spotify can't Even touch it. It was really good. That's all I think
1: I got some of those back with YouTube music these days. Yeah, but then
2: I have to use YouTube music.
0: My favorite part was
1: the the
0: three days that I spent uploading my 20,000 MP3s to Google Play Music when the library feature launched. yep And then for years and years, Google would show me the streaming and local versions of the same songs. And occasionally get confused about which ones were which, and <laughs> it was just a it was a messy, messy time. But it was a glorious time. Yep, for streaming. I mean, we talked about RDO. That's gone. <sighs> Rest in peace. Yeah. Um, Spotify keeps telling me to listen to the a, Joe Rogan um, Experience. Um, no, oh. no, they've moved beyond that. They don't. They they know I'm not going to hear it. But oh, uh, okay. they started list- They started recommending a Kim Kardashian cool. Podcast oh God, to me. that's even
1: worse. I saw
2: I saw an ad for that
0: on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. I've been listening to Spotify for, what, seven years now? Mm-hmm. Almost every day. Mm-hmm. I've listened to a single podcast, and that podcast was The Verge Cast because Pocket Cast at the time was not working. They have zero metadata from me. And yet, based on my music preferences, they should know that I'm not going to listen to a Kim Kardashian executive produced podcast about like. I don't know. It's just not that I have anything against Kim Kardashian. It's just it's not the kind of show that I'm likely to listen to. Yeah, you're going to buy an audiobook. I have <laughs> definitely not bought an audiobook from them because I've been accidentally paying How many paying credits do you still $15 have? dollars a month. <laughs> I've I've been accidentally spending $15 a month on Audible for the last 6 years.
1: Accidentally? Uh,
0: are, uh, I don't want to get into it. it. You can't know
2: it.
1: You can't be aware of this. we've been talking about this on the it's podcast. It's ignorance. Before you, <laughs> we've been talking I, about this on the AC podcast before this. So We've been talking about this for years about how many credits you have. It's you just, knew some, you it's were like, paying. It's, it. one
0: of, it's one of those things that I've just accepted, <laughs> that until I can find 12 things to purchase and cancel my Audible subscription, I'm just going to continue buying a, a book a month and then letting those credits pile up I'm i am I'm 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 in a really bad place, guys. I'm i Buy all
1: the Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett novels.
0: I want the um Far Side of the World books. The uh
1: Oh yeah. You know, there are it's like the forty and of Commander them. Master Commander series. Master
0: and Commander. Mm. Yeah. But uh, but they're not all on Audible.
2: So are they on Spotify.
0: No. The, Shut so your mouth. okay, so here's no. the thing. Some <laughs> Audible books were those that were recorded for literal like CDs and tapes like 25 years ago. Okay. So the audio quality is garbage. Right. And they have to be re-recorded for digital use. And until that happens, I'm not going to buy them because I've listened to samples of a lot of them. Yeah. And it's like the, welcome to, you know, it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry.
1: I'm really hope. I know Amazon likes to take like big temple things and run with them. One of the franchises that I wish they would run with is Master and Commander, because if they do it the way that they've done, like, Good Omens, it would do so well. A Master and
0: Commander series with... I mean, not even Russell Crowe. Like they probably no, can't afford no, it. But no, with, no, no, Don't with Paul start with Beckney, Russell Crowe because
1: they did like the seventh book for their first movie. No, start back out when he first gets the ship. It wasn't. It
0: wasn't the seventh book. It was. It was the. It was like combining the fourth book and the first book. So they took two stories and they mashed them together for the movie. But they were
2: early on in the series. Th- they are allegedly making a prequel. To, You're kidding? Uh,
1: no, yeah. th- this was announced uh, last year. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's been a rumor, but the only one I want, I want somebody who's going to give it the budget it deserves and going to give it the room to breathe that it deserves because we do not want to see that story rushed.
0: I want six seasons and another movie like yeah. F this community-ish. I want six seasons in a movie of Master and Commander.
1: Yeah. And I
0: want it yesterday. That would make my life so much better.
1: Yeah, like y'all just gave us Rings of Power and everybody was losing their minds because of whatever didn't fit with whatever little niche section. Do Master and Commander. The history nerds are going to like complain about inaccuracies here and there, but the rest of us are just going to be going, yes, give me more. Give me more. This is a story I've been waiting to see on a big screen.
0: I loved, I saw this movie. I watched it again a couple of months ago. And I mean, I've seen this movie countless times, probably more, more more times than any movie I've ever seen. And I had a smile on my face the entire movie. It is like by far my favorite film. It's perfect. I think it's perfect. It's just a great film from beginning to end. And if anybody here listening hasn't seen it, I highly recommend it, it's incredible. That is my recommendation for the week. Anyway, back to YouTube. <laughs>
1: yeah, sorry, guys.
0: <laughs> back to YouTube premium. So, all right, well, So what's the yeah. upside here, right? Like Google, they were only charging a $6 or so difference between the regular account and the family plan. You get six accounts with this. It's likely a licensing problem here, right? Like Google was probably renegotiating its deals with all of the record labels. And they were like, what
2: are you doing? This don't is cheaper than all the, the other family plans. Well, okay. Okay. This is my issue. If this is a music issue, then they need to start offering premium without YouTube music. Because I do think that the amount of people who want to sign up for one or the other and are not interested in, and in, I mean, I guess music is offered on its own. I think a lot of people would sign up for premium at a lower price without YouTube music because they're already paying for Spotify or Apple music and they don't care. About YouTube Right, but music. this did not affect YouTube music pricing.
1: No, right? Right, this is right, just but you, th- for premium. I'm just and- saying that
2: if it's a licensing issue, if the reason for this price jump is because they had to renegotiate with record labels for YouTube music and they're like, well, premium's going up in price for family plans then. These are like two different things, but like premium subscribers are likely using different things and not necessarily using YouTube music. I mean, look, that's
0: one theory, right? The other theory is, Google has said that because it is breaking out performance, like revenue and profit numbers for YouTube in its quarterly earnings results, the growth of YouTube is considerably more important than it's ever been. And subscription revenue is likely not outpacing the ad revenue for its expectations, and they needed to make some of that up. But either way, I mean, It's really interesting here that this is only affecting premium family plans for certain countries. And it's likely what they're At
1: the moment.
0: At the moment, sure. But
1: I also think that this is partially kind of like how Netflix is going to crack down on people sharing accounts. It was like, oh, if I used YouTube premium, I could add two or three or five friends to it and it would still be almost the same price. That was an easy thing to share, especially since you didn't—they didn't have to be in the same household. They didn't have to be at the same address. It's nothing like the sh- uh, account sharing for Spotify and the like. Like YouTube's accounts are easier to share. Like I preside over the family plan for my family for both Google One and for YouTube Music because I was the person who opted into those early. But yeah, it's easy to share them with people. Once you remove someone, it takes a year for you to add them back. But adding people in until you get to six is very, very easy. Their accounts do not spill over into yours at all, which is wonderful, unless it's a kid's account, in which case there probably is some spillover just because you'll forget to switch between accounts sometimes.
0: But that's a virtue of the the Google account system being as robust as it is.
1: Yes. And that's part of why YouTube Premium, the family plan, was as useful as it was. Like, if you were going to be like, okay, let's share this and we'll, like, divvy up the costs... YouTube Premium was one of the easier things to do it with, and probably one of the things you use the most. This is the most popular video platform in the world. For however long it takes for TikTok to try and completely and utterly obliterate that statistic, but I kind of agree. It's that ad revenue was outpacing revenue from subscribers, especially because so many of us were grandfathered in under Google Play Music and hadn't changed anything because we were like, "Yeah, this is." Especially if you got in, if you got into YouTube or Google Play Music before. YouTube Red, or if you got into YouTube Red before the relaunch in 2018, then you got two, you had a uh, okay, a good, and a great service. Three of those services combined for 10 bucks a month, which was amazing. And that price doesn't really make a whole lot of sense anymore, especially with inflation being what it is. Something had to give on pricing, and this was the time to do it.
0: I'm not an economist, so I have no idea if this has anything to do with inflation. But there have been rumors that with a recession, companies that spend money on ads on YouTube are not going to have the same budgets. And if this is a reaction to an incoming or an impending adpocalypse on YouTube, people spending more on subscription revenue to skip those ads is probably being baked into this price increase, right? Google anticipating a certain amount of lost revenue from lower ad rates for people on the ad-supported tier trying to anticipate that and building that into their projections for 2023. But
2: if we're entering a recession and the first thing that goes if I'm hurting economically personally is my $23 a month YouTube premium subscription like Right, but then like you it's get just to fun, see ads. But then you right? see ads. Yeah, so do, but like giving you the option, way. you see ads, or you jump through seventeen hoops to like not see ads, which you can do. It's not like a Netflix thing where it's like you okay, can. I, no,
0: Will, you can do that. Sure, the vast majority of people cannot and will never do that. Sure,
2: and I don't. Right? To be clear, I pay. I have my grandfathered eight dollar a month individual plan. That if they okay, if they raise okay, if they raise, you, you, I will probably pirate. cancel. I see. I want Jules to insert like an. A really good
0: R sound right before. Right listen,
2: listen, that. I, I, I have sailed the sea. Busbusters! Speaking of Master <laughs> and commander, <laughs> we've been, we've been is out that there. What you've
0: done, will you've sailed the seas? <laughs> yeah. Have you surfed on the internet
2: before? Yeah, oh, God. yeah, I've, I've uh, the, the information highway. I've drove on mm. it. <laughs> um, this is, this is the time for like the
0: fourteen four baud. Sounds like when you're dialing into an old school modem. Jules, <laughs> I want all the sound effects on this on this episode. Uh-huh.
2: Cyberspace set free.
1: Hello, virtual reality.
0: But yeah, look, I, I get it. And I think what you said, Ara, is absolutely true. This is one of the most compelling subscription bundles you can find on the internet today. In fact, I value my YouTube premium subscription far more than I do my Netflix subscription. Right. Yeah. And I watch some Netflix, but I watch way more YouTube and going back to having to see ads on youtube would be untenable for me whereas on netflix it's funny because like when we talked about the ad supported plan last week i was like i'm actually considering this like i'm okay going down to 720p i'm okay watching five to six minutes of ads an hour because the number of times i open netflix these days has dropped by probably 80 percent over the last couple of years right i'm opening up here in, in canada crave which is all the hbo stuff I'm watching way more Prime Video than I ever used to. I'm watching way more Disney Plus than I ever used to. That has made Netflix way less compelling to me. And I spend more on Netflix than I do on YouTube. So to me, it's it's kind of not even a question. I'm going to keep YouTube, even at the price bump. So, yeah. Google, you fucking win, man. Like, that's yeah. it. You just, you win. Okay, fine. Take my money.
1: I will say... For YouTube, it's a matter of, yeah, you can get access to most of this content for free, but you're not going to. Whereas for Netflix, it's a matter of, okay, if I don't get access to that content, I can wait like a year or a year and a half. When I get bored of one of my subscriptions, I can switch back to Netflix for a couple of months, binge everything I want to watch, and then cancel and go back to something else.
0: Or you could do what Will does and just pirate all of his movies, apparently.
1: (laughs) Look, I...
2: When i i'm, I was a, when I was a I'm broke not i'm not i'm kid, not i
1: pirated and when i actually started like making money for myself and having a bank account i started paying for shit because if you don't pay for the media that you like you're not going to get more of it money is what no you'll get more of you. it
0: ara you will get more of it whether it's good media or not is another question but you no, will I'm always the get media more media you
1: want not the media that we get served up anyway
2: mm. yeah, yeah yeah which is I why agree. i believe in physical media, and own a 4K Blu-ray player. Oh my
1: God. I haven't bought any Blu-rays in a while. I've been thinking about picking up a couple of collector's editions for some of the anime films that I've liked this year.
0: Yeah, the only Blu-ray films I own are Miyazaki films. Sure. And like Lord of the Rings, the extended editions.
1: Yes. I need to get those on Blu-ray. I have the DVDs, but that's still the only way I'll watch those.
0: Yes, you do. You do, Will. Let's talk about how who's actually Fel- doing it
2: it's, it's warner brothers if warner, it's warner
0: brothers is right. making
2: a fellowship of the ring it, 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 it's the extended edition as a it's a web 3 experience is what they're calling it and i finally watched the video this morning even though it was announced yesterday i was like okay what because i saw a tweet that made me laugh so i was like okay what is this they basically brought back like a 2001 era interactive menus but they're no. calling it a web it looks so bad and they're charging uh, like $400 for this limited edition, like uh, I think 999 copies of this NFT. It's so stupid. Warner Brothers is, I, I don't. I don't know what is going We're on. We're watching with...
1: Warner Brothers burn before our eyes, and we haven't for the last two months. That's the long and the short of that argument. Mm.
2: Yeah, it's not good. It, it's seriously go look up that video. It is exactly like the DVD menu that was on like the Harry Potter in the Sorcerer's Stone DVD oh, release in two thousand two yes. or whatever. Like it's the same. It's the same kind of thing where your mouse is like going around, and you're like. Clicking on things in the background to view behind-the-scenes photos, like it's so. There has bad. to be
0: the really grainy FBI warning right yeah. at the beginning too, yeah. <laughs> and then like instead of it letting you go like directly into the menu, you watch like four trailers for movies that were released like six years ago. Now available to um, a kind of like
2: DVD. <laughs> I, don't know. I like physical media. <laughs> and I like then, that and whole Then experience. it lets you go
0: into the static menu there yeah uh, um otherwise it's just not legit enough I'm i just sorry.
2: want to say that i watched the 4k release of the thing last weekend and it looked incredible and it wouldn't have looked as good streaming that's all i'm gonna say
0: like the 1982 the yeah theme. yeah yeah oh amazing oh that's yeah a
2: the, the 4k remaster that they did i think a year ago i like it it's it's incredible like it looks so good
0: yeah i mean that's a 4k blu-ray yeah like remastered from the original um release that's legit.
2: We are all over the place today. This—that's okay. This yeah, okay. I think people is, want that. No, from this us. is good. I Before like it. Before we move
1: on for that, I'm just going to say one thing. I understand the need for 4K. I understand the need for all the big streaming things. I still don't have a 4K TV. I have two hand-me-down Sony's. I need to buy a 4K TV this Black
2: Friday. Friday. Yep. Do you? Yeah. Though. Do you yeah, really? that was my question,
1: Bader, because like these are high-end Sony TVs that I got. Granted, the newest one of them I think is a decade old, and the other one is from like. 2006, 2007. It's time. Yeah. Well, they're they're hand-me-downs. Whenever my parents upgraded TVs at their house, I just took the old ones, because why not? I was a broke college student. But yeah, I get the need for the 4K, but at the same time, it's just like, I so long as it looks decent, I'm good. Because yeah, it's like Bader said, when I'm relaxing, I'm watching the movie, but I'm also like playing down my lives on Emoji Blitz or checking Twitter to make sure nothing has happened, because that's how we get the news these days. But yeah.
0: You can get a 43 inch 4K Fire TV for 370, dollars and yep, that, that number Fire will probably TV go shit below. Get that Fire TV out of my
1: house! No, I want Google TV. That's part of why I'm waiting for the new Sony's.
0: But that's that's what I'm saying. Like you can probably get a similarly sized 4K oh, yeah. TV from Sony or Roku, not Sony, because Sony charges more. Sony
1: like charges more because quality. Roku or not well,
0: Roku, uh, well, TCL will uh, TCL, have the uh, that's what I mean. yeah. or high sense or something like. Yeah. Yeah. they're all around this price.
1: And I mean, so. granted. I don't even care if the inbuilt system isn't great. Then I just stick in my Chromecast with Google TV, or I power up my Nvidia Shield because I still have one and I still love it. But I don't want to get a Roku, and I don't want to get a Fire TV.
0: I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I hate the Fire TV interface. I like Roku. It's not terrible. I like the. I just remote. never
1: had good experiences with Roku.
0: It's fine. I mean, honestly, like I'm like an Android guy most of the time, but like the Apple TV 4K is my streaming box of choice. It's just objectively better than almost all of the other ones. It's so crazy are you getting expensive. The new one? No, why would I get the new one? I bought like the one that was announced, that was released two years ago. What do I? What do I need HDR 10 plus support for? Yeah, like, it's better. It break. an A14 Bionic in my on my TV. Like, yeah, no. exactly.
2: No, I I literally just plugged mine in over the weekend because I was looking for a good set top box to use Moonlight streaming with which is like an alternative to like steam link which i've had issues with and moonlight's working great on it it looks from my gaming computer streaming like 1080p 60 fps no no dips at all like completely responsive and i was like oh i forgot that i kind of like the apple tv maybe i'll like go back to using this full time to be honest like it, it just it like there's no ads the main interface is like just here's your apps like go for it and like it's great it's just like a pleasurable experience it is it's good like
0: the remote is fine i think yeah. mostly it's just that the apps themselves are better quality and like i came from a chromecast with google tv where every once in a while performance was just dog shit and the the t- the cards on all of the the recommended movies were like wrong because yeah. it pulled the wrong metadata. And yep. I, I just like can't deal with that. I, I before we move on though, just like talking about the fact that Google updated the Chromecast with Google TV from Android ten to Android twelve, and
2: there were almost no new features. to yeah. me, is just hilarious. Yeah, it, it was a nothing. That's like every I've seen people on Reddit be like, "When is this getting Android TV 12? And it's like you don't. Ca- I promise you actually don't care. Yeah, when you have
0: not already. Like, like it you've doesn't been using matter it for a month.
2: Yeah. Like it, there's nothing new. I, I
0: mean, I don't know what else they could add to it, but still, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. All right, I'm 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 putting my foot down. We're moving <laughs> on. We're talking about. Um, I, Ara, do you want to talk about this YouTube music playlist redesign? I don't really think it's that big of a deal. But it's you not can that talk it's a big it deal. I
1: yeah. Um. So YouTube Music is redesigning their playlist screen again. uh, The new version looks good, but people are complaining because it's harder to reach the shuffle button. I think that's on purpose because shuffle is somewhat broken on YouTube Music still. (laughs) If If you just hit the shuffle all, it'll randomly pick 25 songs out of your playlist the way a normal shuffle would. But rather than continuing to populate the playlist as you go down, sometimes it'll get to song 25 and just stop. So ideally, what you should be doing if you want to shuffle an entire playlist on YouTube Music is clicking the first song, opening the queue, scrolling to the bottom of the playlist to make sure it actually opened the entire playlist, and then hitting shuffle.
2: Wow, what a is, cool!
1: Yeah, no, it's. <laughs> I'm, it's I'm so glad and it's they raised the price. Yeah, it, it's stupid and it's glitchy, and I don't get why shuffle is still broken because we finally got casting to work for YouTube Music, but hierarchy of needs yeah, that's
0: my favorite part of YouTube music is that there have been things that have that are that have been broken since launch. And instead of fixing those problems, they just paint them over, yeah, with a nicer play button.
1: I will say, though, Shuffle isn't doing that quite as often as it used to. Casting finally works consistently. Our selection has been improving steadily, especially for international music. The selection has been getting better and better over the last eighteen months. I like YouTube music. I'm still very much in love with YouTube music just because I like... The shuffles and like, the Supermix has me nailed, like, absolutely scarily apart from the fact that Supermix gets obsessed with whatever your last 50 playing songs were. But if I start, like, a radio based off of a playlist or I start a radio based off of an individual song, it's scary how accurate it is and it has been scary accurate how good it is since literally the first time I tried the YouTube music relaunch in 2018. Because even without my Google Play music history, even without me importing, like, my entire, like, setting up my entire library, I added, like, 200 or 300 songs to my library, hit shuffle, and just listened while I did other work, and within three hours it was bringing up songs by Play, which is this, like, slightly obscure Swedish pop girl band from the 90s that probably nobody here knows. But because their name is Play, it's so hard to get them any SEO or traffic or popularity or anything when you're searching for them in music.
0: Yeah, but the fact that they nothing com- of uh, yeah. '90s girl bands.
1: Yeah, it's like if y'all can pull that stuff out, and you've been able to do that since day one, how is Shuffle still broken? I mean, that's is not
0: their priority, right? Yeah. Google's priority is is uh, is machine learning and algorithms and AI. It's not fixing a very predictable,
1: very basic, like has been able to work consistently since before CDs. Well, no, since CDs. Shuffle play has worked consistently since CDs.
0: Yeah, it's just I think it's just somebody messing with you when you press the shuffle button. It's just some disgruntled Google worker going, "Man, let's give them like Sharon Lewis and Bram today." That's what happens to me. I've trained Google Play Music not to give me kids music anymore, and every once in a while it'll just like throw in a Peppa Pig song, and I'm just like, "Dude, come on. I've downvoted this so many times by now."
1: You have to block you, you the artist.
2: You have to block
0: Peppa I can't Pig. Even, because I still use it. I, <laughs> oh. I still use it every every once in a while. But like it should know that a, an adult music playlist should not include kids' music. See. You should just know that.
1: Part of that problem is people like me who do listen to admittedly not Peppa Pig, but like <laughs> I'll have music I'll have Disney music I mean, no in judgment. there with a bunch of. If you of, listen
0: yeah. to Peppa Pig on your own time, that's fine. Pitchfork reviewed her album.
1: But admittedly, I'll have like some. I
0: laughed so hard. Disney at that.
1: pop from like a decom or something, and then I'll also have like bands like Disturbed and uh, some old classic rock in there. Like, I bounce around a lot, and people like me are ruining that experience for people like you. Sorry.
0: Oh, I just started playing something on my phone. This is like oh that that pixel bug that we were talking about that you can tap things. Yeah, you finally have turn you finally off found your it. screen. Yeah. Oh, did
1: you hit play while the now screen that is I know off?
0: about that bug, uh-huh. I noticed it happening all the time
2: it's so weird that it exists like it it's such a it, it seems like it should be such an easy fix too but like i don't know like it's it's and it's clearly been there for a while because it's on my pixel 6 too yeah
1: do y'all yeah. have just, aod I, on yeah it's, it's
2: related to aod if you turn okay, AOD off, because yeah
1: it's I, I keep aod off for a reason and granted tapped awake is somewhat broken on my pixel 7 but at least i don't get that issue
0: All right, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, There's a couple more things we want to talk about. So this week, Google announced a whole bunch of, I'm using air quotes, improvements to Google Messages. Yes. Um, Will, they briefed you on this, which is really interesting. They did. Google, most of the time, does not choose to, like, you know, inside baseball, but, like, sometimes they'll email us and say, like, hey, we'd like to talk to you uh, about this thing that we're launching uh, just to give you a bit more context. Most of the time, though, they're just like, hey, here's the thing. And some of those things are significant. Some of them are not. But most of the time, they do major announcements as emails. They don't brief us. This is weird that they made this into a briefing. Will, what did Google announce about Google Messages? And why did they
2: change the icon? <laughs> uh I think they changed the icon because they're blue bubbles now by default, which is very, very funny. Uh, Just like we're all living in a material you world. So in case you forgot, the old icon was a blue icon with white bubbles. It is now just two blue bubbles, which is just it's just very funny. I mean, like. Yeah, it is getting increasingly difficult for Google to talk about messages without talking about Apple, which is so interesting. It's it's like anytime you've talked about RCS in, in the year 2022, it has been like 100% Apple is like in the conversation. They are trucking on on improving messages and like bringing a lot of improvements and new features to it. And it's like, if you have a friend with an iPhone, none of this matters or a lot of it doesn't matter. I would recommend just checking out the post on the site because like there's a lot of stuff in this none of it is huge game changing stuff their top announcement i guess was that they were adding emoji reactions to sms and mms messages they added this to rcs jesus like a year ago i think and so now it'll work with like if you are texting someone in like either an mms group chat or directly via sms if they have an iphone you can you can now like heart their message this sounded very cool until they clarified to us that if the other person is on iOS, for example, they will get a message that just says heart emoji to the message, right? They so they did to Apple
0: yes, what Apple exactly. did to Google until Apple fixed it and then exactly took credit for the yeah, fix yes. on its website until... David and Mel complained about it enough, and then they changed the wording. Yep. This is so funny to me that Google and Apple are like having a very public conversation about messaging in front of our eyes without actually issuing any on-the-record comments about it. It's so weird. It, it,
2: it, they are essentially subtweeting each other. They are subtweeting <laughs> like, each other. It's 100%. true. 100%. Oh, my um, God. So good. God, I don't, I don't think Google is very much pushing ahead with their Get the Message campaign. Hashtag.
0: Which- get the message which they have called yeah, they advocacy
2: now
1: well and they've gotten some of the other manufacturers and like carriers and shit to be like oh hey the green bubble b- stuff that's not okay and like drawing attention to it as part of cyberbullying month and i'm like guys that's a that's a little bit of a stretch like i understand that yeah. people legitimately do get bullied for using an android phone and having the green bubble but maybe not publicize it like that cuz that just makes it seem like it's kind of cheap
2: I mean it's a it's a, a marketing campaign it, that they're yeah. they're branding as a social campaign and those are two very different things and I think it's from an advertising perspective smart to frame it as a as a no 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 we just want what's best for everyone but it is at the end of the day it, it is better for Google than it is for Apple if Apple were to adopt RCS like that's just the truth of the matter we're watching two companies fight about it anyway that is not the only announcement in this there's a bunch of other stuff we had seen some of this earlier this year, but threaded replies are coming to RCS. So you can now directly reply to a message and you'll see a little preview of the message you're applying to. That'll be great for, for RCS group chats. Starred suggestions is like an improvement to starred messages, which they added last year. Messages will automatically, if they see like an address or a door code, they will automatically suggest you start that message so you can come back to it really quickly. Reminders are here because Google just cannot get enough reminders. You get an appointment text. You can just get a reminder on your phone for that. YouTube playback in app. We just spent half an hour kind of talking about premium and also 4K Blu-rays. But Google says that YouTube links are the most popular shared link in messages, which I totally believe. You can now watch those videos in the app without having to leave the app. You can keep chatting about it. If you are a premium subscriber, you will still get ads because messages cannot tell what account is signed in. So. You're probably still better off just opening the app in YouTube and then going back to the app and using picture-in-picture mode, which is essentially the same thing. They say they might be able to tell what account is signed in next year, but that's kind of broken, in my opinion, as as a premium subscriber. A couple more things. They have finally partnered with an airline. They partnered with United Airlines, so now you don't have to pay to use messages as your messaging app RCS on a flight specifically. Uh, though, it's so specifically it's data, RCS, yeah, which is
0: already a thing because you can yeah. talk to businesses using Google Messages right now. So this is just like, I mean, again, like you think about like there are financial incentives for Google to get people using RCS here, and the reason that the carriers are now on board is that it finally aligns. Like Verizon, T-Mobile, they were all pushing their own versions of RCS for years because they had these partnerships with companies, right? And they wanted to make it sort of like a Facebook messenger for business competitor. And now Google is finally getting the idea that they can do the
2: same thing. That's why there are likely these deals in place and why Google is pushing RCS so hard. This is still experimental, but they're also testing a business chat feature where if you search for a company, either through search or maps, you can hit like chat and it'll go right into messages and like live alongside your other messages. So that's- But not Google chat, to
0: be clear, which is an (laughs) enterprise-based chat service, Google hosts that could be used for the same purpose. But yeah. That's that would just be too easy, wouldn't it?
1: Well, Wait Google's really easy.
0: good at branding, as we all know. As It's true. I was laughing because I used Hangouts with my wife for years. And now we use Google Chat. And Google Chat does not support selecting and inserting more than one image at a time.
1: Yes, they need to fix that. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I was like,
0: my wife and I share photos of our kids all the time. And like, there was a series of photos I wanted to share with her. I was like, how do I do this? I either do it in WhatsApp, which we don't, I have, and we both have, and we don't use together, or I like individually select them, or I just share a Google Photos gallery. Like, oh my God, get your stuff together, man. It's so weird. You can share multiple photos in Google Messages using RCS.
2: Yeah. Anyway, This is, this is why I uh, said that we should all switch to a third party messenger and then everyone yelled at me on the internet
0: we should switch to signal which is uh fascinating to me anyway i wanted to talk about signals moving away from sms support very briefly uh, it's not really it doesn't really have anything to do with this but it's interesting because i i was listening to um, meredith whitaker who's the president of signal she was a guest on the decoder podcast this past week and she was saying how the reason this happened is because of rcs that they're removing sms support from signal primarily because there's no failover in the signal app if you if you use it as your primary sms client android supports making other clients your primary sms client this was added years and years ago but there's no rcs support because google holds rcs inside messages so if your message fails there's no error logging to tell you why it failed and there's no RCS support. So if you send a message to somebody that supports RCS, they may pick it up as an RCS, but you may not get notified of that. And you'll never know that they received your message. The other part of it too, that they were saying it's less secure, which is something that we brought up in our article that's linked in the show notes, because while the benefit of being able to send signal messages and SMS messages was one of the perks of like, hey you install signal on your mom's phone and you just so happen to be sending them signal messages which are encrypted there's no distinction there for people who that don't understand it and signal can't actually like support people that have all these lingering sms related problems thinking that it's a signal problem because there's no distinction in the app between a text message and a signal message so just like fascinating stuff that it's it's these like knock-on effects from Google's decision to really push RCS and to lock it into particular clients uh, that's happening in the industry. Okay, let's move on. Ara, let's talk about Chromebooks and gaming. This is a weird one. Tell us what's going on in the world. This this actually was announced last week, but we didn't really talk about it. Gaming Chromebooks are here, but they're not in the way that you might think. So what's the big deal about these uh, Chromebooks?
1: Okay, well, First off, these are not the first gaming Chromebooks we have ever had. Asus came out with a Chromebook that was centered around gaming. It was either a year or a year and a half ago, and you can still buy it right now. So this is a matter of we're now getting Google is now working with manufacturers in order to get more of them out there and to highlight Chrome OS's cloud gaming capabilities, as well as upping the power. So that way, hopefully most of these Chromebooks can actually do on-device gaming to an extent. Especially now as we're hopefully going to be getting into the beta for Steam on Chrome OS sooner rather than later, I hope. Although we need to see more processors get added to the alpha first. But yeah, we're getting gaming Chrome quote-unquote gaming Chromebooks from Lenovo, Asus, and Acer. I believe all but one of them is a 15.6-inch laptop. A couple of them have RGB backlit keyboards because, of course, they do because it's a gaming laptop. You got to have the RGB, which, admittedly, I'm a teeny bit jealous of and I'm hoping I get to test one or more of those. Otherwise, they're just these are premium, well-rounded Chromebooks that should be able to last a long time and should be able to confidently and capably run cloud ga- uh, at least at launch uh support cloud gaming through geforce now through uh luna any others through stadia <laughs> for however long that that lasts
0: xbox uh game pass X- through the browser X- Xbox game yeah. pass
1: through the browser yeah
0: so like this is really interesting these are not thousand dollar gaming laptops the way that no. you expect them to be they're around 600 bucks the things that matter to gamers are what is emphasized in the marketing, you know, whether you may agree, we we're talking battery life, we're talking high refresh rate displays. These are not like super powerful, although they do spec up if you want like an i7, you know, with a improved GPU. We're not talking about like discrete GPUs on here, but you don't really need discrete GPUs for cloud gaming. Wi-Fi 6E support, which is obviously an important spec if you are gonna be doing cloud gaming. I find this interesting, right? The initial, salvo I mean this got leaked a little bit but the initial salvo of marketing around this included stadia so google has been working with all these oems to push this idea of cloud gaming on chromebooks it totally made sense for stadia to be included there when it was alive the decision to close stadia was probably made completely separately google is a very big company they removed all those references to stadia now we're focusing on geforce now which you know very good service, very, very cool. You can stream your Steam library on a 4090 if you want to pay the premium, or I mean, I guess a 3080 right now. And then Luna, right? Luna is a is a thing, it's still alive. It's Nobody really talks about it because Amazon barely talks about it, but it's still there. And then Xbox Game Pass is like, I think the most successful example of this, but it's not officially supported, at least not like it's not part of the marketing rollout. Because the browser based game pass is still kind of experimental. But I do find this really interesting because as cloud gaming gets more ubiquitous, I feel like it's just going to be an endpoint for people on their laptops. Like you're not going to need anything resembling a powerful computer or a powerful phone. I mean, look at the Logitech G Cloud, whatever the hell it's called, right? This is a low end tablet that will let you stream and it emphasizes battery life it emphasizes wi-fi and display quality all the things that these chromebooks emphasize so i don't know will what's your impression here like do you think that this is a solution in in need of a problem or do you think people are actually thinking about cloud gaming when they're making a purchase decision on a laptop these days
2: i would describe myself as a cloud gaming pessimist. I don't particularly think a mainstream audience trusts cloud game like I I think there's a reason we saw Stadia well there's a lot of reasons we saw Stadia fail, but I think the GeForce Now emphasis is so interesting because like like you said like that's pulling from your Steam library which is great, but it also kind of implies that you already have some kind of gaming hardware that you've been buying games on Steam for, which like might be a desktop and like you really want a laptop that you can take Wherever, but then at that point you're looking at Steam Link or or Moonlight, which assuming you're using Nvidia hardware, which it's it, you know you can stream to like at least around your house or whatever. I don't know how many people are using cloud gaming at like a cafe because I wouldn't trust that Wi-Fi to give me a good experience. So you're kind of already talking about mostly at home gaming anyway, maybe just not in your office. I don't know. Like I I think this is like you said like a solution searching for a problem like. I don't know who this is for necessarily, because also it's like you could probably just do this on most other $600 Chromebooks and not really have to deal with the RGB or whatever. You know, maybe these have faster refresh rates. But like, I don't see myself won over by this. My friends who play a lot of video games like I don't think would be super interested in this either. I'm not sure what the future of cloud gaming is beyond stuff like that, that allows you to pull from your library. More of a GeForce Now or X Cloud situation than a Luna situation. But again, both of those services kind of imply that you probably are already in either the PC gaming ecosystem or the Xbox ecosystem. I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think
0: I ignored Steam for many, many years because I was a console gamer and I bought a Steam Deck and I've now only been slowly adding to it. And I realized like I had a bunch of Steam games that I'd acquired through Humble Bundles over the years. Like I'd, I'd bought back in the day when like they would have these exclusive Android versions of popular console games that were ported over to Android. Like they would include a Steam key almost all the time and I would redeem them and then just forget that I have them. So now I have like 150 games on Steam that are five to 10 years old, that aren't very good, but play pretty well on the Steam Deck. Plus I had a couple of other smaller like purchases that I'd made over the years. Like I bought Alan Wake mm-hmm. for some reason. I don't know why, or maybe I got it for free. They I, I pulled remember.
2: it from the the store for a while and they put it on sale for like a dollar right before they pulled it. Uh, when there was, like that's some... maybe what it was. That's totally, why I like... bought it. So, uh, okay, Cause I also have no it sense. in my library and I remembered I haven't played it, but I've always meant to, but I have Hades. Like I was playing yeah. Hades for a long time on my
0: Mac. Cause it was like one of the few games that was native Mac, uh, M one Mac support. So I've been playing it on the Steam Deck, it's amazing. But I do worry that like, we are still way too early. I and think that so. most people, regardless of whether you have a Wi-Fi 6E chip in your laptop, they don't have the latency speeds on their network that they need in order to make cloud gaming a good experience yet. And I worry that some somebody's gonna buy this, thinking that it's like a discounted version of a gaming laptop, and they're not gonna realize what they're getting or they're going to sign up for these three-month free trials and then realize that the experience is crap, and then they just have a Chromebook with RGB lights that they spent $200 more than they intended to. Or, as Ara always points out, like there are really good, high-quality Acer and Asus Chromebooks that don't have RGB lights that cost like four to
1: $500. Well, they cost like 500 to $700 right now. Inflation. And we're not seeing as many deals on the new ones. That's
0: the thing. Are these good... Like at $650, $700, are these just good Chromebooks that people should consider anyway?
1: Yes. You can be as suspect as you want about the gaming portion of gaming on these Chromebooks. These are still good Chromebooks.
0: Well, there you go. All right. What's next? Oh, the last thing we wanted to talk about. So there's a report from the information that Google is going all in on Pixel hardware made by Google, right? It's turning it into an ecosystem as best it can, and that it's moving... Resources away from software, away from Google Assistant, away from some of the stuff that benefits Android as a whole, and putting its attention on this more closed loop relationship between Pixel hardware and Android software, stuff that is made and designed and will stay exclusive to the Pixel. And like, obviously, we can't verify this. We haven't been able to verify this, but it's an interesting report that I wanted to talk through. So, Will, what are the major tenets of this report and like, what are your thoughts on how this may impact the future of Pixel products over the next few years?
2: I mean, I I think this report kind of vibes with what we've been seeing over the last like four or five months with Google, where they've been really focused on like almost restructuring. Like I'd almost go that far. You know, they they have kind of been taking resources away from like Area 120, which was their like we're gonna just hang out and do a bunch of stuff. I assume they're smoking weed all day as well in Area 120. I don't know. I but like they were gonna do a bunch of experiments and like whatever. And then and then Google was like, oh, uh, yeah, we need you guys to like actually work on stuff. But like Stadia's death, right? So like I think they're kind of reorganizing and trying to focus on products that are going to like actually make a difference in in like the company's like public image, I guess. Right. So like, I I think it makes a lot of sense to focus on like hardware and specifically like mobile hardware, especially in the US, you know, uh, elsewhere as well, but especially in the US, like it has become such a duopoly between like Samsung and Apple where it's like, that's what people are buying, at least at the high end. You know, you might grab a low end Motorola phone if you're trying to shop on a budget, but like, if you're shopping for, like, a flagship device, you walk into a carrier store and they're like, well, we have the S22 Ultra and we have the iPhone 14 Pro Max. Which do you want? And it makes a lot of sense for Google to be like, okay, well, not only do we need to, like, bolster our Pixel phones and, like, make them as refined as possible, which I think they're working on. I think the 7 series is, like, a really good step in that regard. But also, like, we need to think about how, like, we can use our software even more so than we're already doing to like make it appealing to users to be like, no, 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 you don't we're not just an alternative to Samsung. Like you're actually getting things from us that you won't get from them, even though we're both running Android, almost turning Samsung's reticence to acknowledge that
0: its phones run Android against them, right? Like making their job a little bit harder. And I find that fascinating, you know the this idea that maybe Samsung phones will just never get magic Eraser or never get unblur or never get call screen or never get hold for me and we'll never benefit from the AI on-device transcription and like we'll never get the Google recorder app. And we kind of have taken for granted over the years that eventually most of these pixel features trickle down to other devices because they get released to AOSP or in general just like get expanded throughout Android through Google Play services updates and things like that. But this almost makes it seem like Google has made that decision that it wants to properly compete. And the only way to do that is by not just having an ecosystem of products where it has a Pixel Watch and a Pixel phone and a Pixel tablet and Pixel Buds and Nest and everything works really well together, but really like honing in on the software advantages of having a Pixel phone. And I I guess like if you're a Samsung fan, like that sucks for you because Why wouldn't you like Samsung's hardware quality with access to Magic Eraser or like fast transcriptions and stuff? But on the other hand, like Samsung has 30% of the total U.S. smartphone market and like 70, 80% of the U.S. Android market. So why wouldn't Google want to actually do what it can to steal some of those users away?
2: I mean, to a certain extent, hardware, at least since like the S6, I'd say like hardware has always been Samsung's strength. And then like software has been kind of their weakness. It's gotten much better since the days of like TouchWiz, But on the other side of that coin, software has always been Google's advantage. And then they've kind of struggled in the hardware side of things. And I think the Pixel 7, like I said, is a good step in that regard. I don't think they're perfect. I don't think either phone measures up to the hardware quality that Samsung has achieved on the S22 series uh, will achieve on the S23 series there's a certain argument that Google is catching up on the hardware side of things in terms of like fit and finish and making things feel like they're flagship quality like they're worth the hundreds of dollars you're spending on them and also you get all of these software tools that have been like aside from the camera like the shining example of like why you should buy a Pixel phone is because you get now playing on your lock screen. And like you said, like call screen is like incredible. And photo unblur is truly amazing. In my opinion, like I went on for like three paragraphs about it in my review, like if they can keep devoting more resources to it, which I think has been Google's problem for a long time is that like, they're so disorganized to a certain extent in terms of, you know, we're spinning a billion plates in the air. And like, if they can kind of focus in on like, okay, here's what's working, here's what's not, I think they can kind of come out of this stronger even if it means stuff like stadia gets cut
1: (sighs) am i alone in thinking that call screen like even from the start i thought call screening was just going to be a google thing
2: it's so tough and when we go through this every beta period now where we're like well okay great android 14 beta 1 is out is this a pixel feature or is this a android feature and like that has become like over the years like a lot of times it's a pixel feature and so, like, call screen probably was always meant to stay that, or or maybe was like, you know, someday we'll we'll add that to Android phones. But yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe they could, like, do it through the, the phone app, which is on the Play Store. But I don't know. No, I don't think there was any
0: ambiguity about this. Like, I, I think Google made it very clear. Call screen holds for me, those are staying Pixel exclusive. But the fact that something like Magic Eraser or Face on Blur is a Pixel exclusive feature within the Google Photos app that is available and almost the default gallery app on most Android phones sold in the U.S. is weird. And the fact that they add features to Google Photos through the Google One subscription makes it even weirder because there are these levels of abstraction that you have to contend with when you buy an Android phone today, not knowing which Android phone will get which features depending on which phone you own, which Google subscription you have, or whether it's got Pixel on the box. And I don't think Google makes that very clear because when it releases Pixel phones, there are a bunch of blog posts on the Google blog saying, these are the features that are going to be available on the Pixel 7. And then in tiny letters, they're saying, some of these features will be backported to the Pixel 6 or whatever in a future update but some of those announcements are just broader android 13 features that happen to be debuting on the pixel 7 right and if we can't figure it out easily i have to say easily because it's our job to figure it out you know what's the average android user supposed to do to figure this stuff out so i mean that's that's it right it's not a problem per se but i think it's it's just an interesting conundrum that if google's really going to take its shot like these phones by far are, like, we have obviously reported on some small issues, but these phones are by far the least problematic pixels Google has ever released.
2: Oh, in not even like order of in magnitude. Terms of like, yeah, yeah. Like, the the, the issues the Pixel 6 had were actual issues. And these are like, yeah, there's like a couple, like, small bugs that are weird and and could probably get fixed in, like, the November patch that's two weeks away or whatever, you know? Sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think... I've been using the Pixel Watch, I've been using the Pixel 7,
0: I've been using the Pixel Buds. Like this is really the first time that I've used almost all Google products in my mobile life.
2: Well, it's the first time you've been able to.
0: That's what I mean. And and like not, not had to make sacrifices about it. Like I've had Pixel Buds, the, the 2020 Pixel Buds were unusable, you know? They looked great, they sounded fine, but they <laughs> brought them out of the house and they disconnected. I don't know. It's just it's just funny. Google's in a really good position from a hardware perspective right now. So this report coming out saying that they're putting more emphasis on the hardware and moving resources into that division to support hardware better from a software perspective remains deeply fascinating to me. And that's it. I don't know. I think I, I feel like like there's so much more we could talk about this week, but i I feel like we've run the course of what we've been talking about in Slack this week, like this yeah. is very much like a a podcast about the things that we were talking <laughs> about in Slack, which is awesome i I don't mind that at all. uh the one thing I will say is a p has published some amazing stuff over the last few days. I want to point out a collab between one of our freelancers, John Gilbert and our features editor Stephen Winkleman. It just got uh released uh, published today. It's an article all about like the Android phones that are available in in North Korea which is just like a really interesting thing that we very rarely get to see and some of these phones are wild like they are very rudimentary looking phones that basically are stuck 5 or 6 years ago and we know very little about them but like they're Samsung clones, they're iPhone clones, they're just like a it's just a fascinating look at the world of North Korean phones that are made in the country. They never really get uh, released outside. Uh, they would never work outside because of the, the, the bands. Like, it's just, it's wild. So, anyway, go read that. There's a lot of other stuff. We are updating our Pixel Watch, our Pixel 7, Pixel 7 Pro reviews. Uh, we've done a lot of kind of subsequent features and investigations about the phones. And that's it. Go read the site. It's looking good. Um, I also just want to mention that we received some nice emails to the podcast this week i really appreciate it shout out to the guy who also lives in buffalo yeah to, uh, yeah that was cool to listen to the show uh so yeah send us emails podcast at dot police.com we'd love to hear about what you think about what we talked about this week and uh that's it have a wonderful weekend if you're listening to this on the weekend i hope you're doing it with a drink or uh something enjoyable in hand cold medicine or that if you're sick Hope you get better soon. Thank you. I wasn't talking about you.
2: Oh, you don't want me to get you don't want me to get better soon.
0: Uh, no comment. And uh, <laughs> until then, um, have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye
1: bye.
0: Bye. Bye.